Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Quest Me, your weekly review show of everything Star Wars. My name is Josh, and I'm your forever host and the creator of the Twist My Arm Network. Um, normally, we would be having my lovely co-host joining me tonight, but as we all know, Justin is a real-life hero, so he is out doing real-life hero things, and maybe in by the end of the episode, but maybe not. It just depends. We uh, planned for this, so um, we, we knew that there were going to be a couple weeks that uh, he might not be able to come in, so we did plan for it. Um, before we go any further... Um, we are live, so anyone listening in podcast land, you can watch us live on Tuesdays, anywhere between 9 and 9.30 on youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast, and basically you can come hang out with us and talk about Andor, or anything else that we're talking about. Um, we did the little Thrawn series, when we started the Thrawn series with our good friend Phil, um, where we are reviewing the original books, the original Thrawn books from the 90s. Um, lots of fun there. It was a little three-episode series. Um, and then, of course, we've reviewed all sorts of other Star Wars properties. So definitely hit us up on the YouTubes when we're live. Otherwise, you can listen to us anywhere. You listen to podcasts and find us on Twitter at QuestMeTMA. Um, this week... Like I said, Justin's not here, but I do have a very special guest. Um, his name is also Josh, which is kind of funny, um, but I might just call you JT all night. Is that okay? Yeah, it's perfectly fine. Ah, sweet. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, JT here uh, comes from... I, f I found him on YouTube, actually, because when we were doing the aforementioned Thrawn series... I was trying to find a really good audio version of that book, and I was having a really hard time until I found Mr. JT Crusader, who does his own audio version of the Heir to the Empire book. Um, that's awesome. Can you just explain, like, wh why did you decide to do that? Oh, boy. Um, so, I think... Um, I actually have, I've done, this is my first audiobook ever, but I've done audiobooks for, well, I've read books for my younger brothers since growing up and I did voices for them all the time. And, um, okay. yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I got around to reading the Thrawn trilogy and, and I was like, man, I love this book so much. And I'd love to, and I, I do audio work, uh, here and there. And, uh. I was like, if I was going to have an audiobook done ever, I'd want it to be Heir to the Empire. And uh, then COVID hit, and I had all the time in the world to start. Um, so that's kind of where, where where it all began um, in the middle of winter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're all we were all shut in our homes, and I was like, I've got way more time on my hands. I have time to learn how to do audiobook stuff. Um, yeah, and. And you did a great job. Like I like I was saying in the in the pre-show stuff, you are doing the Lord's work because it's you do the, the voices uh like perfectly, I feel like, and, and you have a really good way of reading the story and I really, really appreciate it. Are you gonna do the second book? Uh I, I hope to. Um I'm currently in the process of reaching out to the publishers. Um mainly because yeah. I don't it's a lot of work to make these and uh, it would stink if, if if Disney just shut it down because I didn't ask for permission. So even even during the process of making 
heir to the empire, I was trying to find the right people to reach out to, um, especially with a book this old, uh, it yeah. actually goes into the hands of the publisher, not Lucasfilm. So it, it's it's a bit more of a challenge trying to figure out <laughs> who to reach out to. Right. Um, right. And does Del Rey even exist anymore? Because um, that, that's who did them originally, right? Yeah. Was it Del Rey? Uh, on, on the recent releases, they actually have the copyright of who to reach out to for for the rights. Oh. Yeah. I think it's like, um, it's like Penguin Random House. And I think specifically it's like Burnham Books or something like that. Um, Oh, okay. yeah. So it's only been in the past few weeks that I've actually finally tracked them down and uh, I've actually sent a formal email. So I'm crossing my fingers that that they'll allow me to continue. Um, yeah, for sure. And I would assume so. I mean, you're it's not like you're charging people to <laughs> to do it, but you never know. I mean, Disney's kind of crazy about that stuff, which yeah. kind of brings me to my next point, because I just was reading on Twitter that you got invited to be in the Darth Angelus mm -hmm. animated version yep. of the Thrawn series, yep. which is another series that we talked about a lot in the, uh, in the podcast we did, um, Darth Angelus, he does, he does like an entire animated story of the Thrawn book, the heir to the empire. And I think he's almost done with the first one or he, or he is done with the first one and he's starting on the second. He's getting one. close. He's in the, like the chapter twenties area now. Okay. Yeah. But you got invited to do one of the voices, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I've been a fan of his work for a while. I've been on his live streams. Okay. Um, and he knows okay. about the audiobook. He's actually been listening to it. Um, and uh, I I offered uh, him that if if he needed any any extra characters done, I'd be willing to help out. So. <laughs> That's really yeah. cool. Which character are you doing, or can you tell? Uh, me? I can. It. I'm. I'm doing the character Gent. I'm doing the hacker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Darth Angelus said he fun. particularly liked my read of him. Kind of like the naive, um, really excited to meet Han Solo. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I had a fun. I had a lot of fun doing his voice, just because it's like I kind of get to voice like a young Star Wars fan in a Star Wars right. story. You know. <laughs> right. uh, so. It was kinda, oh man. Yeah. So I kind of like kind of put myself in the headspace. Um, and so are you going to, you're just going to use that same exact voice Pretty much, then? yeah. Yeah. Which is perfect. It's a great voice, but, oh man, that's so much fun. We'll have to, I'll, I'll be uh, promoting that for sure. Okay. Um, when it all comes out, because that, he does really, really well with that stuff. I like, I thought I did, did well with my little videos, but this dude, <laughs> he, he, and I mean, he kills it, you know, all the, all the voices are really good. He sticks to the story. Like it's. It's really cool. So if, if you ever get a chance, guys, go check out the uh, Darth Angelus. It's, I think it's just YouTube.com. Just, or just search Darth Angelus. Yeah, Darth Angelus. Uh, if you type in Heir yeah. to the Empire, it's pretty much the first thing that comes up. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes, of course. So, um, But, of course, we're here to talk about Episode 5 of Andor, which has been a really good show. I've really, really thoroughly enjoyed it so far. What have been your initial thoughts on these first five episodes of Andor? Yeah, uh, I've actually been liking it quite a bit. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest. Some of the Disney star Wars stuff has been hit or miss with me. Um, especially coming from a guy that I, I, I'm a big fan of the old legend stuff. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, me, you know, too, man. yeah, me I too. did, I didn't know you, but for heir to the empire, I bet might as well be, um, yeah. And uh, I have a, a bunch of those old books like the um, I think one of my other 
I think my second favorite trilogy has to be the Jedi Academy trilogy. Mm. Where they're, I, I think that's the one where the kid pulls the Star Destroyer down with the Force. Like it was one of the oh, first okay. times that that ever happened. Yeah. Or he like pushed it away from the temple. Like, but it, mm, some of those old Legends books are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally understand your, uh, your feelings on some of the newer Star Wars. Yeah. Some of it has been good though. Uh, I do like Jedi Fallen Order a lot. Um, I think that's been one of the tighter Star Wars stories that's come out. Um, Mandalorian was, was solid. Um, <laughs> that one had its ups and had its downs a little bit here and there. I think season what? one was the strongest. Uh, I like okay. the ending to season two. It had some filler though. I got to admit. Um, we, yeah, our first season of quest me was about Mandalorian season two. And there was definitely episodes where we were like, I mean, there's some cool callbacks in this episode. But, yeah. I mean, especially the, the frog lady arc. <laughs> that thing was a huge filler like unless that frog lady comes back later on and and has some part of the story yeah. i mean the only reason they did that episode was to put in those like snow spiders that mm -hmm. ralph mcquarrie made like a long time yeah. ago or... great effects but uh yeah in terms yeah. in terms of narrative yeah a bit of a filler episode yeah. i agree um, I so personally, and I've been saying this for a while. The whole reason that we're doing the Thrawn book series um, is because I I really think that this Mandalorian verse, the Mando verse, is going to pull directly from the the Legends Thrawn series and like have plot points and story points from those books. Yeah, and they'll be doing with with Ahsoka and Mandalorian and Boba Fett, and then. There's, I think, one other show. They were supposed to be doing Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah. But like all those, all those stories that are kind of connected, I really think they're gonna lead up to this big bad Thrawn, possibly even a movie. Um, I mean, John Favreau's in charge of it, you know, and and he's basically the one that started the whole Marvel universe, the MCU. Mm -hmm. So he knows how to create stories that are interwoven and and able to see a, a bigger picture you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it'll it'll create this bigger picture and thrawn will be like the thanos of star wars it's kind of where where i'm at um so i just that's i that's why i want to do these old books because i i really think that a lot of that stuff is going to come come from it especially like uh joris seaboth how do you how do you pronounce i Seboth? always pronounce is it, it joris sabayoth um Sabayoth. Okay. Yeah, that's how I pronounced Everyone it. Says I always it differently. felt like that that sounded right. Um, yeah, it's and it's it's fine. Everyone says it differently. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but but I think that that character is going to be you know portrayed by somebody else. But the that other the person whatever whoever they use in the Mando verse is going to have the same kind of characteristics of of Joris. Yeah. And. They'll, they'll kind of pull some of those plot points, but Andor, on the other hand, has nothing to do with any of that, even though it's still kind of like Dave Filoni has some influence in it. it it's really not going to have much to do with anything else, you know, yeah. so I'm I'm really enjoying it as a, as a standalone story. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, uh, Star Wars used to be crazy interconnected back 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 in the old days i mean you'd have you'd have characters <laughs> yeah. that show up in a game and then they showed up in a completely different author's book so we'll yep. see i mean if they if they decide to do the same thing i'd i'd be all for that so 
Yeah. I'm hoping they do. When they canceled the Legends series, it was, oh. was kind of devastating for me. You know? Like, yeah. And I guess they didn't necessarily cancel it. I do like what they're doing now as far as pulling things out of it. I mean, the way Boba Fett came back was almost identical to the Bounty Hunter Wars mm-hmm. or the Bounty Hunter trilogy. Um, we just didn't have Dengar. You know, it's it was close. He still blasted his way out of the Sarlacc yeah. and, and whatever. But, but I, I like how they called it Legends instead of just completely destroying it because that's true I, they can. I, i'm glad they re-released them to, yeah. so that they can still be bought you know they didn't they right. weren't erased from existence entirely um and they recognize that there's that's a gold mine that mm-hmm. whole legends universe is a gold mine yeah i think so. the thing that 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 i was a little sad about i mean decanonizing it was was rough because i grew up on so many of those stories and i still think that a lot of those stories hold up uh really well absolutely um absolutely but i think the other part hard part was that they didn't decide to just split star wars into two universes sort of like how marvel does it you know like oh, like yeah. a, like because there were writers that were still writing for those books i'm just like just let them continue like like, like you can you can make up. legends and off star wars series and just let it keep going you know and then right. you could be influenced by whatever's going on over there maybe um, maybe maybe just right. keep it to books like you're not allowed to make films or two but you just keep making books um which that would i think that's that would have that would have been a really good a good idea because the the new jedi order didn't get to finish up i think right they yeah, were still kind there of, were in the a of, of it or stories that i think had to be cut short yeah yeah it's it's it is what it is and as long as they continue to pull stories from it or pull whatever plot points and whatnot i mean I'll be satisfied. Um, and I think, especially now with the High Republic series that they came out with, I think Yoda, since Yoda's in that story, he connects the High Republic, and 200 years later, he's in the Old Republic, and then he's also in the, in the, um, like the Empire days. So, like, Yoda connects basically, what, 400 years worth of stories almost? Yeah. And so I think they're going to kind of do the same thing with Grogu. Hmm. And when they push it into the future, Grogu will be that connecting piece that connects us from the future Star Wars to the past Star Wars. Yes, yeah, it's, it's possible. Um, I have, I've not read High Republic. Um, they're good. They- they're not bad. Yeah, they're not bad. I started with the comics. I still need to read. I've... I've read most of the comics, like that original series that came out, but I do need to get the novels. I've heard the novels are really, really good. Okay. Huh. Um. Anyway, we're going going on. Yeah, yeah. Going <laughs> I think we've talked about back, everything but back Andor. To, <laughs> yeah, back to back to Andor. So, we, what? What? How are you feeling after the first five episodes? Are you enjoying it? Like yeah. we we talked about like things that we don't necessarily things that the other series but like as far as this one goes are you enjoying it yeah actually i've been enjoying this series quite a bit um i think for uh, for me anyway um as being a longtime fan um i feel like star wars has always been at its best when it's doing a care good character arcs and good world building and having those happening simultaneously um especially if they complement the other uh so like like case in point, you've got like Han Solo in the first movie that's trying to pay off Jabba, who we don't really see, 
you know? Um, so he's, he's constantly trying to get back, but he decides to help Luke instead, which is a character's choice. That's him. That's his character changing. And right. because of that, he's going to get captured in the second movie because he's decided to stay with the rebellion and be a general. That's his choice. That's his decision. That's his character changing. He gets more attached to Leia. You know, that's him becoming yeah. less of a smuggler, more of a re more of a man of the rebellion and then eventually of course becoming a husband figure um right. so that by the time he gets captured and is brought back to job of the hut it's both world building and it's character growth happening at the same time and i think that's something that star wars when it's at its best does really well um it's something that uh i think jedi fallen order does pretty well too um yeah. where you've got a character and that character goes to a lot of different places and he influences other characters. And that's yeah. something that, that Jedi Fallen Order does well. Um, I think that's something that Rogue One was limited by its runtime. Um, sure. Like there were a lot of characters that I was like, oh man, there's so much potential. And then I looked at the time and I was like, oh, there's no way we're gonna, they're all going to die, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as like, uh, if only this director was given a TV show's length to work with, um, which is right. what they decided to give him, which is why I'm kind of excited that this is going to be a 12 episode series instead of a six. And it's going to be. And it it might be a couple seasons, too. Uh -huh. From from the rumors that I've heard, it's been I mean, this is five years before Rogue One, basically. So they could do, theoretically, five seasons if mm -hmm. they do it, you know, by the year. Um, but I think I think a good three seasons would probably do it really well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I had um, initial hesitations because, you know, I was like, wait, Andor dies. So where do you, you know, you're just explaining his backstory, but he still dies. Um Right. But then I thought back to how the prequels did it, you know, and the prequels have their flaws, don't even remind me. Um, but there are still, there's still incredible things that the prequels managed to pull off. I think world building is one of the things they do well. The other thing that they managed to do well is that they, they establish an amazing platform for other characters. Mm -hmm. um, like, like Ahsoka is a perfect example, you know, the prequel, if right. the prequels didn't happen, Ahsoka wouldn't be here. They um they just made it so much bigger they made the universe so much bigger than we were used to that yeah they, they absolutely had the opportunity to bring in all these extra things and and make a clone wars series yes. and, and all that stuff yeah um yeah i'm i'm really uh happy with this show so far mm -hmm. for sure it's it's very like you were saying star wars is at its best when it's doing this sort of thing this this character building this this stuff um and it it makes me excited for the future because they're starting to to do a lot better with their writing. They're not just kind of throwing something together. Look, I liked The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens was fantastic to me, and I, I really enjoyed it. But the last two of the sequel trilogy, oh. I I have my my issues with, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I feel like they were just so rushed. And these shows now are not as rushed. Like they have a little bit of time to really work on things and make them better. I think Star Wars was kind of meant for TV in a way sometimes. It definitely had the potential. I mean, when they started making games um, and the game's plot lines could easily have been split up. I mean, if you've, yep. I mean, um, 
case in point, I mean, uh, have you have you ever played like the Jedi Knight games, like Outcast, Jedi Academy, the Kyle Katarn? I never, I never did. Man. Okay, I didn't. I didn't ever have a PC or PlayStation. Oh, okay, play gotcha. I think, I think a couple of them might have been on sixty four, but I just, I never did. I played Episode One Racer. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but you know, yeah, some of those games were, were split up in ways that you you could have broken them up into TV show seasons. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to continue to do this in in a in a solid way. Yeah, you know, they they kind of have taken in as much fan feedback as they can, and I th- I feel like they're using it to their advantage. Um, one thing that we did talk about in previous episodes was the fact that we know what's going to happen with some of these characters already, and that's kind of annoying sometimes. But you bring up a good point about the prequels, where we knew that Obi Wan was going to die, we knew Anakin was going to be Vader, um, we knew the we knew Palpatine was going to be the Emperor. You know, Sidious. Nothing was hidden with Sidious. We all knew that was Palpatine. Like that, mm-hmm. there were things that were kind of spoiled already as people that had watched the original trilogy, but kids that were watching the prequels for the first time had no idea. So. Star Wars, in a way, like even though it does have its its extreme ups, it still is it's still kind of made for kids, mm-hmm. except for Andor. This show is not made for kids at all. I mean, you can watch it with kids, of course, but there's going to be questions. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of dialogue. Kids are not going to really be as attached to this kind of show, I think, that they would a Boba Fett or a Mandalorian. Because this is all about that story. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree uh, with that. I'm, um, I, I'd also argue, though. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you, uh, but no, please, no, no, no please. okay. <laughs> I, I, I do think that that oftentimes stories that you know are written for kids. There, there, there's a difference between well-written shows that kids are able to watch and adults can watch, and everybody can really enjoy it. And then there's shows that are written almost to belittle kids because i think people (laughs) often give kids not enough credit because kids as they because like uh for example uh, did you ever see um avatar the last airbender i've watched snip snippets okay okay Um, i've been around it for sure gotcha um as a kid uh I, i i love that show and and one of my favorite characters was zuko who has a phenomenally written character arc that's like he's okay. like the main one of the main reasons you watch the show. But as a kid, I didn't really understand that. I just thought, ah, he's a cool character. And as I grew older, I was like, oh, it's because he's got an insanely good character arc that's branched out across three seasons and he naturally grows. Uh, and he goes from bad guy to good guy, and you see that slow transition. It's super well done. And and as an adult, I can I can still watch the show and really appreciate it. So it's one of those things that, yes, it's almost a compliment to say that Star Wars is made for kids, because if it's if it's if it's made super well, that both children and adults can enjoy it and the kids as they grow up can appreciate it and the stuff that they missed. Like. It's almost a compliment to say stars is written for kids, <laughs> man. I need to I need to send that to our buddy Jesse from Sudden But Inevitable and Open Pike Night because He's always he's always giving us shit about it being for kids, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna send him that clip right there. That was beautifully said. I just 
thank thank you so oh. much for that because I I love that analogy as far as Star Wars being written for kids. That that's perfect. God, I I knew I brought you on <laughs> here for a reason. This is great. <laughs> Um, and also, this is great because we have Mr. Justin here. I'm going to bring him into the stream. We're going to oh, see sweet. how he sounds. But hey. Uh, I'm sorry for doing this at work. It's okay, man. We we told everyone at the beginning of the show that you might not be in and that you might be in later. And here you are yeah. later. So I'm glad to have you in. How are you doing this week, uh, sir? I am doing phenomenal been a good week i got disneyland here <laughs> in a few days or a few days and so i'm pumped oh yeah aren't you going you're going to star wars World, oh right? yeah taking the little girl to disneyland uh, for like three four days heck yeah that'll be so much yeah. fun what what i miss on this episode you know we haven't really gotten into it at all um we've been talking a lot about Thrawn and the Legends books. Oh, and I can go we on, went, man. We, <laughs> I fucking love we, that. We, we, I mean, we it's, talked it's a bit the good about, stuff, you know? It is. Yeah, yeah. We talked a bit about other series and just, you know, I haven't even read the synopsis yet for, for episode five. <laughs> so this is perfect, honestly. Like, we're just getting into it. Um, so, and I wrote this for you, Justin, this time. It's not the best... But you requested last week that I write a synopsis, so oh, I did. So we learn more about the Andor's Eleven team. Cyril eats all the meals with his mom. Andor learns to walk like a soldier. And Mon Mothma gets real while Luthen gets paranoid. Before we get to the big heist, we obviously have to have some friction. And in the Axe Forgets, we get to see just what kind of friction is created between Andor and his new friends. Mon and her family, and Cyril and his mom. So... That's basically the setup for this episode. There's, what, th four different parts, basically? I I broke up my notes and into little sections. Basically, what happens on planet Andor, Cyril and his mom, Mon Mothma in real life, what are the Imperials doing, and Luthen. Because that's essentially what this episode is broken up into it just kind of flashes between all those different ones it kind of sounded like Jeffrey yeah Peters, i was, I was gonna say too, uh but... 500 what are the uh imperials doing please <laughs> this got me to chuckle right there anyway it did jump cut quite a bit i was like okay 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 <laughs> so yeah there, and that's that's exactly what it is it jump cuts from you know story to storyline which is very Star Wars to me like when you're watching the movies there's always three or four different storylines happening at once mm -hmm. you know so it's very true to the source material um, but I feel like we should probably start with just getting the Mon Mothma thing out of the way and I want to do this while Justin's still here because Mon Mothma that poor lady has this like opening breakfast scene. Her the first time you see her is like she's having breakfast with her family, and her daughter is like really upset with her. Uh, to me, it was kind of kind of gut wrenching because Mon Mothma was like, "Oh my god, like what's going on right now? She doesn't want to go do this with me. She doesn't care. She's like thinking that I don't care about her. Like she's kind of having some crazy realizations that." maybe she's what she's well <laughs> maybe what she's doing is affecting other people of course it is 
She she's taking priority. But close to her. She's putting priority into the rebellion rather than her own family. I mean, we see that uh, earlier with her her husband. Sure. So, you having a daughter, did this scene hit you any different? Like, like did you watch this scene and go, "Oh my God, is this what I get to look forward to?" <laughs> um, I I literally watched it and I'm like, okay, it's pissed off daughter, got it. And then I rewatched it. And I'm like, oh, let's let's go into the context of why she's mad. And literally all I can get was she was trying to do something with her mother. Her mother was absentee, and now she's a angry little teenager. But maybe, like, more of these occurrences have happened before in the path. And, like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry I missed your space soccer today. I'll go to the next tournament <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, and I, I guess that's kind of where what I was looking at, too. Like, it seemed like dad and daughter had kind of an understanding that mom wasn't as present mm. i guess um and mom didn't necessarily know that she was not present and it was kind of a, a shock to her but it was the way that um the actress oh god see here we go <sighs> the actress that plays mon mothma i never remember her name but the way that she portrays that like I don't know that that um, betrayal. I guess maybe not betrayal, but like sadness of feeling like she failed was was really, really gut wrenching to me. Like it it looked like it hurt, you know. And then and then going later on in the episode, and and Mon Mothma and is that her husband? It's got to be her husband, I think right? So. I would assume. I never knew Mon Mothma to have a husband. Um, never knew her to be a. But mom. that whole. Yeah, that's true. The whole car ride, though, was just all about them kind of having a lack of communication. It seems like Mon Mothma is starting to let this new alliance and the secretiveness of it <laughs> bleed into her own personal life. And it's to me, it's kind of going to be fun to watch because I feel like Mon Mothma by the end is not going to be the same. Genevieve O'Reilly is who plays her. <laughs> but anyway, did did you guys have anything else to say about this the Mon Mothma scene? I feel like that was the shortest bit of information we got in this episode. Yeah, it was it was rather interesting. I feel like we're we're missing some critical information. Um I what what I hope that the show does is that we see a scene with just the father and the daughter together. And Mon Mothma is not mm. present, um, and we get to and we get to see kind of their angle on this, and like what it, what their daily life is like, because Mon Mothma isn't there. And then I I almost want to have a scene of Mon Mothma alone, and her. Maybe maybe like I don't know maybe she's got a picture of her family and what it used to be like, and now it's changed somehow because she's now doing this. I don't know, like, 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 I feel like there's some critical pieces that I would love to see that kind of wraps it all together. Um, yeah, yeah, because it's an interesting scene, but I feel like there's some context that that we have yet to see, and I hope they don't. I hope the showmakers realize that, and they don't just kind of, oh, that's a cool scene. Goodbye. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh well, they're already fractured. We're just yeah, gonna we'll move wait on till from season there. six don't, to bring that up don't again. Worry about that. Um, we'll write a book about it. It'll be fun. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what they do, though. I feel like that's a lot of that stuff that they do now. You know, they they'll make rebels and then put a book out about some other story. Oh, this is what you like. I'll I'll dangle it in front of your face and make you read <laughs> for it now. Yeah, it's like it's like Justin, the writers you... the books like watch the episodes like okay plot hole plot hole plot I gotta gotta bring that up. <laughs> I can write about that for sure. <laughs> they can, they forgot about that character entirely. <laughs> yeah. Justin, was there anything else that you had about Mon Mothma and, and her son? Uh, no, not really. I think we covered it all. But the whole time, uh, cool. JT, what you were... Uh, I'm sorry, it's JT, right? Yeah, whatever. Well, we're both Josh. Oh. So I told him at the beginning that I was just going to call him JT. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, I totally forgot where I was going with that. Oh, well. So the scene that JT was describing, I, I just saw it played out in my head. Like, Mon Mothma looks over at her, her empty nightstand, picks up a picture, looks into it longingly, sighs. It's, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly it, though. Yep. And that, hopefully, hopefully we do get some more, some more story on that, on that line. Um, the next thing that's kind of, it's kind of brief, but kind of not brief, and kind of leads us back to last week's episode with our uh, predictions about Cyril figures. Oh, um, but first of all, why is he, him and his mom always just eating? Do we just catch them at different times that they eat? I feel like we've only watched them have conversations at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's where all the, the fun happens is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The heart of the house I is guess. in the kitchen, you know. I guess. <laughs> but either way, Cyril is, he's great, but he's just kind of... <sighs> To me, he's just he's just kind of a, a baby, you know? He's like pouting at this point. He's like, huh, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? But he's also in this middle stage where he's like trying so hard to prove his worth to everyone around him. And like right now, he's listening to his mom talking to him and explaining, oh, you know, your uncle this, your uncle that, you should have done this, you should have done that. And to me, like... I feel like this is a lot of people out there that when you're younger, your parents are always like, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, your grandpa did this. Your grandma did this. You need to do this. And but really and truly, we're all just looking for ourselves. Right. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. Cyril is 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 also thinking at this point, like he's like, I don't care what you what you think. I just want to find my own person. Would you ag agree with that, JT, or so, are you on a different phase? I got to admit, Cyril's my favorite character in the show so far. I really uh, like Really? Yeah, I really like Cyril's character. From, from a character writing perspective, I really like Cyril's character. Um, I don't know if we should wait to like the it's a Boba's Bounty, talking about favorite characters. Yeah, that, that, is, that is your segment. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how much I should wait for that, but... Uh, what I really like about Cyril um, for this. Okay. Let me see. I, I'm debating whether I should wait till the Boba's bounty. To talk we could, we could wait. Okay. We, we could wait. Let's yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. do that. I didn't, I didn't even think about that when I started reading my notes. That's, that's my bad right there. But I, I do like these scenes. Um, mm -hmm. And to harken back on last week's episode, Justin, how are you feeling now about your prediction as far as, Cyril joining the team. No, I, I'm 
I'm going to change that prediction. Like, he seems like a sort of a loose renegade right now. He's in that weird phase of, uh, I still want to go after Cassian, but now I don't have any power, and I'm at home with my mom. That's what I was saying last week, is he's going to try to find a way to get to either just prove himself or to get back into the good graces of the Empire. That's kind of... And so we see that scene where he's holding the, the hologram of of Andor kind of towards the mm-hmm. end of the episode, I guess. And I think that just kind of... Now we know that his, he's got a burning hatred for Cassian. And I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked for his story arc. I think he's going to be the next... You know, we, we kind of broke it down um, into three episode story arcs. So the first three episodes were the introduction. These three episodes are the heist. And then I think the next three episodes is going to be the hunt where Cyril is hunting for Cassian. And then it it could go either way, man. At the end of that little story arc, if that were to happen, if we were to see more of Cyril hunting him down, he could either be a, he could turn to the rebellion or he could try and turn everybody in and die trying. Real quick, Justin, which one do you think he's going to do? You think he's going to die trying, or you think he's going to join the rebellion? Die trying. JT, what about you? Rebellion, die trying. Mm, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of the reason I like his characters, because I cannot really predict exactly what he's going to do. Right? That's. I'm glad Justin said it. At least one of us said something, because I'm, I'm on the fence, too. I, I could... I could go either way. We need a little more information about him first. Mm-hmm. See what kind of action he's going to take. Um, but I'm leaning a little more towards just because it'd be fun. And I feel like Gilroy writes like this where he just kills everyone. I feel like he could die trying. <laughs> it could just be could just be what happens. So anything else about Cyril and his mom? Any anything vague? I know we're gonna probably dive a lot more into him and Boba's bounty, but yeah, I really find it interesting that his home is on Coruscant, and that he doesn't serve the Empire. He actually s- decides to serve in a company that's a like like it feels it feels like the job you would take if you disliked the Empire, but you want to be able to have a decent job that pays. Yeah. you know like it makes me curious is like does yeah. he what's his opinion about the empire because we don't actually know that um and also i think it's significant that he lives in like the underbelly of curacao because one of my favorite shots actually is the very first shot of this episode is what is, he's in his room he's peering out the window and you just see the, like the spotlight of the ships coming overhead and you just see his face like i'm here again like right i'm here again i tried to get out of here and now i'm back Back to square Back to one. Square yeah, that walk one. of shame. Yeah. That walk Ugh. of shame in the last episode with him going through the underbelly of Coruscant and down the elevator and everything. That was uh, someone's favorite shot last week, wasn't it? It was. It absolutely was my yeah. favorite shot because it was shot. wonderful. Yeah. I loved seeing that the underbelly of Coruscant. Like, like I was saying, we were supposed to get that TV series originally where it was about Coruscant, like the underground, mm-hmm. whatever the, the 1801 or whatever that series was supposed to be called um but yeah i i wonder who his uncle is yeah because they keep talking about his uncle and he's he's gotta be 
of somewhat importance. The Grand you would Admiral. That's kind of where I'm at too. That's, that's kind of where I'm at too. Is that he might get involved with Luthen and Mon Mothma, which would then hook him up with Andor, and he would have to put aside his differences to work with Andor, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's I, I I have a feeling we're on a crash course towards that kind of storyline as well. Well, they'll they they will become some sort of friends, but either way, let's move on from that. Um, let's see. The big storyline is obviously Andor Andor's Eleven, and I love that. <laughs> thanks again, Phil, if you're here listening. Thanks for giving us that. Um, so let's go to to what the Imperials are doing here on this planet on and Andoni is that what it's called? so bad with names i'm so bad with names on everything but the the planet that they're on that they're about to do the heist with um you kind of figure out what they're actually doing there what the empire is actually doing there and they're pretty much just going to destroy the whole planet and create an air force base is that what's going on i think so kind of yeah i'm having a hard time putting the pieces together on that um yeah, because they kept they kept on showing like this temple structure throughout mm-hmm. the episode. I was like, is that of significance? Um, yeah, because I couldn't tell. It's like that looks like something the culture of the planet built, and and they bring imperial forces there for 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 a bit. I almost feel like I need to rewatch that scene because um, it flew by. Um, yeah, yeah. They, I just I remember specifically the scene where. Um, the the general or the lieutenant goes up to the bridge basically, and it looks like he catches the guy smoking a cigarette, leaning over the tower, and he's like, "You enjoying yourself up here?" And he's like, "Oh, no, yes, sir." Oh. And then they kind of have that conversation about, you know, bulldozing the place. You know, he's like, "Are is I've heard rumors that they're going to tear everything down," and he's like, "That's a possibility," and talking about putting an airfield there it's like a navy base or something like that so it's it's really interesting to see what the empire is doing in these early stages um although this is kind of middle ground now because this is what 15 years after uh after episode three so they've been the empire for 15 years and they've been doing this for a while um, but it's super interesting to see that basically what they do is go invade planets and turn them into their own personal bases or farms or Worries. whatever it like is. Like we saw that picture of uh, the planet Andor was on when he was a kid, and it's just one large quarry. Yeah. Well, when they destroyed that one, there was an accident um, that had killed everyone. I, I feel like that's probably how Andor's parents got killed was, it was by whatever accident. accident. Yeah, uh, I mean it's an imperial accident, so like, could have been anything, you know. <laughs> could have just been an explosion. They're like, well, you know, Dave over here, <laughs> he really messed up, but we're just gonna chalk this up to an accident. Let's move on to another planet. But either way, the, <sighs> the Imperials are dicks, and that's pretty much my whole point of that, um, because all all they do is go and destroy everything. And, and they're doing a good job explaining that some of the Imperials are starting to realize that. 
some of the ones on the inside are starting to understand that the empire is not there for the people. It's there for control. Very true. Which is fine. Um, also, the lady... Uh, oh, gosh, her name. Here we go. Here we go. You know, I posted something on Twitter today that was like, if you've ever podcasted with me, you know that I never remember names. And this is a thing. <laughs> but the, the, the female lieutenant that's... She's got the really disgusting face the whole time where she just looks like she's... I don't know. She looks... She looks like she's in a lot of pain the whole time. Um, but her whole scenes were... She had one specific scene where they referred to things happening on Jakku and things happening on Kessel and Hosnian Prime not actually getting in touch with them. And and you're kind of seeing, like, from an outside perspective, or I guess from an, from an Imperial's perspective, you're seeing that people are starting to rebel right um i really enjoyed this the particular scene where she's talking to her little buddy and he's like you know there were issues on kessel because that's a direct link to rebels because one of the first storylines in, in rebels was was them uh liberating kessel basically and so not only do we get that connection with Rebels, but then we also hear Jakku for the first time in any other Star Wars property besides The Force Awakens, which, again, sequel trilogy, not my favorite. Force Awakens was fine, right? It was, it was, it was at least, it was at least pretty good. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It was fun. <laughs> um, are you guys seeing? I guess my whole my whole reasoning for bringing up the rebels thing is because I still think that we're gonna see Thrawn in this. <laughs> I still think that at some point in time we like even if it's just like the back of his head and we hear his voice or something. The silhouette. Like there, there's some there's some connections happening between this show and rebels, um, specifically that. I think are going to, to me. I just want it to happen. That's all. I just want it. What other That's connections are you seeing? Um, I'm I'm finding it right now. I'm going to bring up this picture. It's a photograph that I had taken after watching. So after we do our podcast, I then go out and find all the Easter eggs. Like I'll go watch all the Easter egg videos, you know. And so I was watching one of these Easter egg videos from episode four. And I think I sent you a message, Justin, with this um, particular picture. But last week we saw in, um, what's his name, in Luthen's shop, we see these stones. And these stones have little hand figures on them. Um, there's the fist right here, and then there's the sideways um, um, hand right there. Do you guys know what that's from? Doesn't look familiar to me. Um, looks so it's totally from this right here. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. The triad. Okay. So yep. you're you're bringing in the the Mortis trilogy, which is also in Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. um, Probably one of my favorite but arcs. I loved that arc. Yes. Yes, for sure. So 
so we're seeing things like that and and that uh arc in rebels where they turn the hands to face the right way to make the path into the world between worlds did you did you watch rebels at all jt yeah yep i saw it okay so that that whole scene you know the, and they destroy that temple mm-hmm. um obviously that the relics that luthan has could be from a similar destroyed temple and he found these rocks or these these symbols there and he wanted to keep them so that's just one of those kind of callbacks to rebels another callback to rebels that i just keep thinking like oh my god we're gonna see some sort of grand admiral at some point and maybe it won't be grand admiral thrawn but we'll hear the word grand admiral at some point and then we're all gonna be thinking thrawn well duh because that's what they do to us fanboys they get us all worked up i'm just waiting to hear that cold calculated voice it's gonna be great gonna be wonderful so let's see what else do we got for the imperials um they don't really have fun on aldani unless you count that one tie fighter yeah, <laughs> yeah that's they true enjoy hiking um, and backpacking and doing wilderness things yeah but the one stormtrooper or the the one guy had said you know a lot of us don't don't really like this Every, everyone talks about Aldani is like kind of a, a bad place to be, and the only reason we really want to be here is to see this big event that's going to happen. So, can we take the day off, please? <laughs> Sounds like it sucks out there. Boring is easy uh, money. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Says the guy podcasting at work. Eh. <laughs> 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 it, I, I'll admit it looked it looked like Braveheart could have burst out any moment. I mean, it looks like <laughs> the planet does it's look true. like Scotland. You're not wrong. Um, last point, last point question. I guess I have for you guys: We get to see an Imperial shuttle for the first time, um, and we see it flying towards the base during one of the you know the, there's a scene with. Andor's Eleven, where they're discussing stuff, and we see the the shuttle flying through. Who do you guys think is in that shuttle? Do you think it's going to be someone of significance, or do you think it's just going to be some rando? Justin, what about start with you? It's going to be some rando that has nothing to do with being there. They just wanted to show the the first clip of the Imperial shuttle. That's what I think. You want to take a bold prediction? I want to do a bold prediction. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I think it's. I, I think we're going to start seeing some generals from the Death Star from that round table. Like who? I don't know. Whichever, whichever one, pick one. Tarkin. You could do t- Tarkin. Yeah, Star. You could do that one guy. You could do that one guy that's like... Spears. I think Stark. Stark is the one that says... Yeah. Uh, it would be good, whatever. But one of one of those dudes, but a youngin, you know. That would be cool. That would be, but it it would hurt my feelings if they tried to de de age and CGI Tarkin in there. Well, they did it in Rogue I One. I know. <laughs> I did not like that scene. I loved the movie. Did not like that scene. Did you have any opinion on on Tarkin, JT? Um, oh, like the CGI on him? 
Well, just all around. Because I feel like there was there was some things with him, just him being in the actual movie that people had issues yeah. with as well. Here's the thing. I think from a narrative perspective, it makes sense that Tarkin has to be there. Um, it's just unfortunate that the actor isn't around anymore. But at the same time, I, I feel like it's weird to try to CGI an old actor because that really does... I, I'd much rather they have gotten an actor that looks a lot like Tarkin and just get some makeup work done and have him and have that work. Uh, I'd much rather, cause that, cause at least it's a human being, you know, that's in the shot <laughs> because I mean, granted they, that like anybody that's seen CGI knows that CGI does look a bit better if it's a dark scene, which is why they always had Tarkin in the dark. Um, because if it was all in full <laughs> daylight, like unfortunate Leia, um, wasn't full light, you know, you can see the difference. Um, or like at least looks better but i'd much rather they have gotten a real actor that had a look alike yeah i kind of feel the same way with luke skywalker uh in in Bo book of boba fett um even though the even though the technology is impressive i'm just like there's plenty of people there that can pass as luke skywalker um yeah sebastian stan anybody yep, Come bucky on bucky yeah <laughs> because otherwise it all looks um, like han dodging the blaster shot you know like when Oh, yeah. or that was, that was next quick shift <laughs> it's just that but it's the face clip of like, the film um that's yeah. why Han he just shape-shifted mm -hmm. yeah i uh i liked tarkin i liked everything about it um i yeah. looked past that whole terrible cgi and just kind of I screamed, screamed like a little school. The, girl the actor the that screen. did his voice did an outstanding job. Yes. Um, he fully yeah, convinced sure. me. Like, I was like, boy, he, he certainly sounds like Tarkin. I'll give him that. Um, and he's yeah. acting the role really well. So I think it's one of those things where, because if you seen the scenes were short, I was able to, I was able to look past it. I was like, if they, if you really couldn't find a lookalike, if you couldn't get the, like, if it was just out of the budget range, and you had like, yeah, because it makes sense. Tarkin's there, you know, so it's one of those things that I was like, I'm willing to accept it. It, you know, um, do I have a preference? Yeah, yeah but <laughs> well, hopefully if they do decide to bring in one of those characters, hopefully they just bring a stand in actor, like one that actually looks like the person, because I feel like you could do that nowadays. Yeah. And if you need to do some sort of CGI, it's not going to be detrimental like Tarkin or Leia so um I think the the last we have two last things to talk about as far as the episode goes um that's just basically what happens with Andor's 11 and then Luthen so Justin there was a lot of just a lot of character development and and story development within the group within the crew um what did you think about if you were to put all of those scenes together as one little short story, what would you think of it collectively from from beginning to end from when Andor and Skeen are which, by the way, Skeen is played by Ebon Moss Bachrock, which I didn't mention that last week, who plays David Lieberman in Punisher. Boom. That's why I knew I recognized him so much. He's the guy that helps out the Punisher. Anyway, side note. But. From from beginning to end, when, when Skeen and Andor are having that conversation about their barcodes to the end when Skeen is talking to Andor about why he hates the Empire. What, like, 
how would you how would you sum that up? Oh, I don't know if I could sum it up. It was more of a progression. Like even in the uh, beginning episodes, you just see this un unweariness between them, and Skeen with is overall very cautious of Andor. And then Andor is like paranoid, like, get out of my bag. What are you doing? And then he ha he has a good reason behind it. Because later in that episode, he has actually caught him uh, going through his stuff. So it's, it's interesting to watch the dynamics play out. Overall, I really like the fact that they have their own tidbits and history into why they do hate the Empire and what the Empire has done to them. That makes it uh, hit home and, and feel a little more realistic, I feel like. But uh, I'm really excited to see where this unfolds into the, the overall heist. Like, what it, like we all know something's going to go bad with it. I'm just waiting to see what. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think you're right. Um, what about you, JT? What do you think about this whole kind of development of the group? Because I feel like they became a little more close-knit by the end of this episode. Like, at first, they were very broken. And then by the end, they were very... I feel like they were a little bit closer. Were you, were you satisfied with how that all progressed? Or... Yeah, uh, so I think some of the group more than others. Um, I think the, the character that easily gets the most development, at least in my opinion, is uh, Arvel. The guy that has a bunch of tattoos that we see at the beginning. Um, and he's the one that calls out that like, you know, uh, I do like, I do really like his line too. Like who brings a treasure to a robbery? Um, to a that's a great line. I was like, oh, that, <laughs> yeah. he like, is like that might, and while I was watching the episode, I was like, that might be my favorite. And then he taught, and then Arvel actually tops that with, with my actual favorite line after that. Um, and, uh, I really like the dynamic that he has specifically, um, I think Arvel is the guy that kind of he has a head on his shoulders and he's clearly thinking about, you know, like he's he's always suspicious, but he takes action on his suspicions, which I think is is cool with his character. Like everybody else is just like they could just kind of give him the stink eye, but it only Arvel actually checked his bags. <laughs> yeah, and he and he, like he just went and like put the knife up to his neck and was like, "Don't you move." cut that sky kyber is what he calls it i love it that he calls it sky kyber um but yeah i i was really pleased with how they kind of resolved their issues by the end because it you know andor and and andor did it all himself like he finally was like all right fine you know what i'm getting paid there you go i'm getting paid for this so shut up let's do this job so i can get paid and go home and it kind of created a little bit of a rift between um, a AV Vel, Vel. That's her name. Yes. Yes. Um, between Vel and her crew, it kind of created that little, you know, a, a, a break there for a second mm -hmm. until then they all realized like they all have issues. All of them have issues internally and with the empire and with each other, you know, they all have some sort of problem with each other. And you kind of learn that when Nemec is talking about his device and then Skeen comes up and Skeen's like, Nemec doesn't understand this. And, and then Nemec is like, well, yeah, Skeen doesn't really buy into this. And it's, it's a really cool portrayal of how this crew is, they're there for a higher purpose. 
And even though they might not like each other all the time or they might not agree with each other all the time, they're still there for the greater good. Um, but Nemec, by the way, is is probably my favorite of this this whole crew. You reminded me of Gant. Um, yeah, like, this for dude, sure. It's just kind this, of this, like... This, this is Disney's version of Gant, like watching it. Yeah. Like, he's not a hacker. He's more of a logician, you know? He's like, I have reasoned this whole thing. Yeah, right. I liked him a lot. But... But he's really good with the mechanical thing too, the mechanical aspect because he took that old, um, what was it, a, some sort of radar or a scanner yeah, or something, something, and he turned it into, you know, something that they could actually use against the Empire, and it's something that the Empire can't trace because it's so old, and I I love his his intuitiveness where he just kind of like. He's like, well, this this will be great for us, and I'm gonna make sure it works, and I'm gonna build other things, and make sure that we can do what we need to do. And then he's also taking the time to build models. This guy, he's like my spirit animal, I swear. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm gonna be really sad when he dies. That's uh, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm still on the train that this whole crew is gonna die. Are you uh, are you guys in agreement there or in agreement? Go ahead, JT. I get the feeling that some of them almost have to. Um, and I'm almost wondering if the show has specifically picked certain characters to be developed more to have those be the ones that kick the bucket, if that makes any sense. Yep. Um, yep. I, I don't know if it's going to be Arville that dies and he's kind of, he's kind of one of those characters that dies so that, Cassian kind of like realizes that this guy's actually died for a cause, you know? Um, and like, if I die and I just died for money, I mean, what does that say about me? You know, something like that. Um, I don't know, but I kind of get the feeling that some of them are going to die here, but I don't think it's yeah. going to be all of them. Um, and, what about you, Justin? Yeah. Uh, I'm on the same page. Uh, I know the, my boy, the lieutenant, the inside guy, he, he'll probably die. Uh, Vel, the, the leader, will probably die. And I don't know why I call him my hobbit. I, I don't remember his his actor name. But he looks like a little hobbit. And he's, like, all smart and has all the information. You're talking Nemec? Yeah, Nemec. My dude? Yeah. He looks like a hobbit. Okay. But I feel like they... I mean, kind of. Right? <laughs> I feel like they... Star Wars has put in a lot of depth into some of these characters. And like you were saying, uh, JP, like they're going to George R.R. Martin this thing. And then just, they're just going to kill everyone off. And you're like, no, I was emotionally invested in that character. I was just opening up to him. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna take away the good ones. Yeah. What, what I hope that they do, though, is that the way that the characters pass... I hope is going to be geared towards their characters, if that makes any sense. Like these characters have weaknesses and I hope that if some of them do die, the way that they do die is due to those weaknesses that have been established. You know, it's not like, Oh, that guy gets shot in the head and now he's dead. It's it, it's no, how about bell passes because she hesitates and she can't give an order fast enough, you know, mm. something like that. Cause we've seen her hesitate a lot. Um, yeah. And constantly and, and having, having difficulty to take over because because we've noticed that some of the guys in the group kind of take over for her briefly and she's like oh but, but, but I'm, I'm the leader hold on um 
I feel like that's a weakness that she has. And if she is one of the ones to die, I kind of hope that the show capitalizes on that. That's one of the reasons, you know? So I don't know. It's an interesting point. And that it would, it would make sense for sure. Um, Nemec is played also by Alex Lothar, who was in the imitation game with Benedict Cucumberbatch, Black Mirror, and The End of the Fucking World 2 on Netflix. Um, I think I recognize him from The End of the World on Netflix, but I really like that character, Nemec. I like the actor that plays him. Like you said, he's he's very much a Ghent kind of character where he's just kind of like naive to everything and just like, you know, we're going to do this job and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, endearing, though. Yes, yes, endearing, yes. Let's see. I think, I think I'm, uh... oh, oh, the last thing I really wanted to cover with this whole part was when they pull Andor into the little meeting and they're trying to get him to describe how to, to fly the ship or how to figure out the weight on the ship because they have no idea <laughs> what they're doing. I mean, how how much of an advantage is that for Andor now, you know? Because he's like, I could just not do this. <laughs> and I won't even tell you how to fly it either. I I think that's going to come into play in the next episode. I, I personally think that Andor might use that to his advantage to pull out, at, you know, if, if it needs to happen. Like, we're, we're just talking about everyone dying. Well, if they all survive, it's going to be because Andor makes a split decision to bail on the mission or something like that. Um, Justin, what did you think about that scene with with them telling, asking him about about stuff? Did you have any certain like thoughts on that? Come back to me. I'm thinking. Come back to me. What about you, JT? Um, I find it interesting that they didn't know some of this info beforehand. And it's making me really like think about it. It's like, I think I now understand the reason why Luthen came in person <laughs> to pick up Andar. Cause he's like, these guys are not ready. I need to bring someone in that is. Um, I need a, I need a real pilot yeah, or uh-huh. something. Yeah. I need to bring. I wonder if Luthen knew about it. I wonder if they had talked to him and were like, uh, yeah, I don't think. Although I guess it would just be Vel because she's the only one that really had communication with with Luthen. So I wonder if she would tell him, like, we don't have anyone to do this. That also makes me curious about uh, Cassian's past as well. Like, why would he know this info? Um, I wrote that down at some point as well. Um... Oh, when he was learning how to, like, he went to, you know, Imperial boot camp, basically, and he was learning how to be an Imperial, he knew certain things about the Empire that even the Imperial didn't even realize, like the left-handed guns, right? Keeping the guns on the Mm -hmm, outside. mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, you bring up a good point, because how does he know all that? Was he part of the Empire, or did he really just watch? Yeah. Well, we definitely have a time skip. We have him as a kid and then just him now. I feel like there's definitely right. stuff in between that we don't know about. Yeah, and and he's he's got some like super raw skills. You know, like he he knows he knows a little about a lot, right? 
And this is kind of the beginning of him honing in on all of those skills, I think. Whether it be espionage skills or piloting skills or leadership skills, this is kind of the very beginning of Andor's actual story. Yeah. Which is great. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, now, I, now all I need is K2SO. I need the beginning of his story and for Alan Tudyk to come back and, and to make us all happy. Oh, I'm so excited for K2, but it, that's not going to be until the last episode, I bet. Unless he's the ship this whole time. Oh. Full circle. Maybe. Full circle into last week's. That'd be interesting. Do we know who plays the voice of the ship yet? Does the ship have a voice yet? Luke I thought it did. did. Oh, okay. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah, they're oh. tying in uh, Lando's sex robot in. No, 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 that, not that one. We're talking about the ship. Not the solo one. Not, uh, I know, not I know. L2. I know. They're just tying in all that technology. I thought I thought he had a voice. Maybe it was just a computer voice, though. Um, I still swear that in the Andor trailer, we see Alan Tudyk running at some point. Like a very brief shot of Alan Tudyk. I think he's like working on the K2 droids. And then at some point we'll see Andor hack into it or whatever. But either way, I'm excited to see that if and when it does happen. So, um, Is there anything? Do you, yeah, I was going to bring up something it. from uh, Heir to the Empire and oh, okay. to this uh, show. So, oh, okay. Heir to the Empire has the slave chips, right? And they take over for uh, uh, for flying and uh, autopilot kind of stuff. So, is, was this canon's way of bringing in slave chips from that Thrawn series and having like computer voices interact with it and like overall autopilot? That's what I've been kind of wondering myself. Um, what I like about Heir to the Empire's way of bringing it up is that when you bring a new technology like that, you a- you have to ask the question, well, why don't they use that all the time? You know? Yeah. And what I like about Heir to the Empire is that just because the ship's dro- a droid's flying a ship doesn't mean that you want to put your life in the hands of a droid flying a ship. <laughs> um, which is why I, li- I like the- I like the fact that 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 Han and Chewie are like absolutely not. You know, we're in at least in Legends. We're like we 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 don't we don't we don't put a slave program in our ship ever, um, because it all you need to do is hack that thing and then you're toast. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So yeah, I find it interesting, that, interesting. that they are bringing bringing the aspect of a droid piloting a ship. What, what I'd like to see at some point, it might not be in the show, but I want to see the repercussions of having a droid controlled ship. As a way of like providing a reason why not everybody does it, you know, like is it because it's expensive? I doubt that because the rebellion's doing it, so and they're working on the cheap, right? Um, so it's clearly not because of expense. So I, I kind of would like an in canon reason. Like I, I'd love to see at some point, like the Imperials find them and they're like, "How'd you find us? Because you installed a, a droid that the Imperial." guys programmed so of mm. course we found your ship and that's why the rebellion never uses mm. slave ships ever you know like I, i'd love to see something like that happen um that would be cool and it's, it's like the in air of the empire they explain about r2d2 and luke's x-wing where they had said you know they 
they never wiped R2, so him and the X-Wing are like best buds. And R2 is obviously a good guy, but I'm sure that there's other droids out there that if, you know, they decided to wreak havoc, they could do it. So that's a, that's a good point. That that would be interesting to see see some sort of reasoning behind why they why the rebellion doesn't use certain technologies, you know. Um Justin, were there any other notes that you had about the Andor's 11 crew? No, not really. I think we covered all bases. Before we get to the Luthan stuff, it's a very brief scene, but before we get there, uh Justin or JT, did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss about this episode? Uh, I don't think so. Are, are we up to segments? Just about, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, um, I just wanted to bring up Luthen's shop. Um, he had some holocrons in there. I don't know if they were fake, but they looked real to me. Um, did you guys notice those holocrons? You know, you, you you pointed them out to me and told me to look for them, and after watching the episode four times, I still never saw them. Really? Yeah. All right, I'm going to show you them right now, then, because I, I feel do. like you just need to see them. Did anybody um, notice yeah. the evil uh, Star Killer from the Force Unleashed's mask? Yes. Okay. The, is that, that the one with all the pins? <laughs> like all the all the pins in yeah. it? Is that yeah, the, yeah. Is that it? Okay. Yes, yes. I was wondering why that looked so familiar. Mm-hmm. But right here, yes. Justin. You see these, oh. these things right here? Uh, it looks sort of like it. Like a Jedi holocron on the left and a, a Sith holocron on the right. But maybe it's just an artifact. Mm-hmm. That looked like the the holocron on Malachor and Rebels, actually. Mm-hmm. The big one. Yeah, It's the big boy. Yeah, and that's this guy. There's a lot more to this guy than meets the eye, for sure. Seeing the stones from from rebels, seeing the holocrons now, seeing the helmet, seeing everything else that he's got laying around in this like antique shop. There's a lot more to Luthen, I think, than just being some sort of rebel. He's Ezra so, in a time loop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare Star Trek this on me. I, I, <laughs> I'm right. I, I'm I'm writing a better story already. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets caught in that world between worlds yeah, and just yeah. keeps going back yeah. and forth. Yeah, got the long hair. You know. Ah, uh, man. I would, I would never watch another Star Wars again if that's what they did. I swear to God. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I love Luthen's scene here. He's just so paranoid. He's listening to the radios, trying to see everything that happens or trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and the one thing that I really wanted to point out here was when his, his little assistant says, it's all going to be over by this time tomorrow. And then Luthen responds with, or we'll just be beginning or just be starting. And I'm like, oh my God, that's great. Is this going to be the actual start of the rebellion? Like... This little robbery of Imperial payroll. Oh, by the way, all these people are not going to get paid, which is awesome. But is this going to be what really starts the catalyst of the rebellion? Because that would be cool. Um, yeah, I thought 
just a good good episode all around. Um, great way to start it. Great way to end it. Good way to build up characters that we didn't really know about yet. Good way to build relationships that we're probably going to lose here soon. So I thought all around solid episode. Um, I'm out of notes here. Justin, one more time. Do you have any more notes? Um, I did write one down of an Easter egg I caught, but I, I can't find my notes. <laughs> okay. JT, did you have any other notes? I don't think so. All right. So then, yeah, with that being said, we are going to move on to our segments part of the week. Um, this week, we are just doing the Starlight Killer shot and the Boba's Bounty. So we're going to start with... It is that part of the episode where we talk about our favorite still shot from episode five of Andor. We're going to start with our guest, JT. His scene comes in at the 37 minute and 48 second mark. Why don't you tell us about this scene? Oh, boy. Um, this scene, number one, I love how it's shot. Um, I love I love the contrast of dark on light at night, um, especially since we have already seen this location in the day. Um, it's pretty rare when we get to see a star's location both in daylight and at night. Um, so I loved seeing that. This also this scene reminded me a ton of when Anakin is overlooking the Tuscan Raider camp. Oh, yeah. that's what it reminded me of a lot. Is it's just like somebody looking over a cliff, looking at a location that they're about to raid. Um, so I I particularly liked that. I also really like the fact that this is that this location is essentially a dam of water <laughs> yeah. and that I, I love, I love, I love, like I'm hoping this dam breaks almost like the rebellion begins, you know, like the water bursts, like, like I love this shot because like, once again, whenever you have a night shot, it's just that like the tensions building, you know, something's about to go down. Um, yeah. That, and it calls back to a lot of great star Wars wide pan shots that I miss. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this pick as well. Thank you for that one. It's it's just a wonderful color scheme as well. Like the shadows covering over the looking over the dam is really cool to me. Um and then yeah, I just it's it's like that calm before the storm kind of shot, you know. Where you're just kind of looking over and getting ready. So nope. Justin, let's uh let's move on to your pick, which is at the nineteen minute and fifty eight second mark. Tell us about this pick. Ah, uh, the Tie Fighter going in for a, a swoop or a swooping flyby. So, like to me, it, this scene felt like, oh shit, my mom just caught me with my hands in the cookie jar. Better run and hide. <laughs> or, oh, oh shit, I have condoms out. I gotta go hide everything. <laughs> like oh it's it's weird. <laughs> like it just felt like a a parent catching a kid. Like you're not supposed to be doing this. And they're running and hiding, and they're like, "Oh, we're we're just farmers out here hanging out with our four-horned sheep." But the overall, like the picture of it, it's very fast. It's it clears in, it comes around, and then it pans out. Uh, the music was uh, sort of alarming, chilling at this point. But then you get that classic, like type at <laughs> Yeah, it's. 
it's a it's a good scene to show just kind of how bored the empire is <laughs> right like i could just see this pilot and they're like oh look at them <laughs> look at them farmers i'm gonna go fly by them and scare the crap out of them real quick it's gonna be really fun <laughs> Yeah, I like I I definitely like that pick. And you know, you guys actually picked I think JTU also picked that shot, right? It, it Or no, no. It's the one it was, that's directly after this, but it it, it leads right. into one of the reasons why I love Yeah, I love this shot a lot too. Yep, and he's talking about this one it was at the 20 minute and 21 second mark. Oh, um right when the tie fighter is flying up to the dam. Also just excellent excellent pick. Um, all these shots this week have been great. My shot is just this one because I love Luthen and all of his artifacts and just how startled he looks right now. He just, oh man, he looks like he's about to just lose it. And I'm just curious to know what is actually at stake here. What's actually on the line that he is so scared now? You know, um, it, it definitely makes me excited for the rest of this story arc. But uh, other than that, these are great, great picks, guys. Um, these are these are wonderful. I love doing these shots of the show. Um, they're always, always great. So let's move on to the next segment, which is, of course, He's no good to me dead. He will not be permanently damaged. It's Boba's Bounty. Um, this is the first time we've done this segment with a guest. Like we said at the season premiere, we have three segments, but we're picking two a week um, to kind of keep things a little fresh and not doing the same exact thing every week. So um, this week we're doing the Boba's Bounty one, which is where we pick our favorite new character, ship, or droid from the series and let's again start with jt what was your bounty for this week um so my bounty was uh i think it's cyril cyril karn i just keep calling him cyril figus <laughs> i'll just call him karn because that's easier to say than cyril <laughs> um yeah so cyril karn is 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 i hot take he's my favorite character in the show so far and I'll, I'll explain, yeah, been... I'll explain why. Cause, cause it, he, he, <laughs> he, he built up for me. It was episode three that kind of sealed the deal on that care on my, on my opinion on that. And, uh, and Justin, you came in later. So, but I was kind of explaining to Josh that in my opinion, stars is always at its best when you've got gr a great char characters and uh, great character arcs, and you combine that with great world building and when they complement each other. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that you have a character that's going through something and they make a decision that causes the world to shift. And then the, the world might hit back and causes the character to grow. So like I was, I was explaining to Josh, like case in point, you've got uh, Han Solo, that's a smuggler who's trying to pay off Jabba at the beginning of the first movie. Um, he decides to actually not pay job but it, instead he wants to help luke skywalker so he helps the rebellion and the rebellion manages to blow up the death star because of that decision and so and because you know he decides to join the rebellion to become an officer but he still hasn't paid Jabba yet so he's ultimately captured is brought to Jabba's palace which allows luke to come back and save him and ultimately that that means killing off Jabba the hut which changes the entire <laughs> crime syndicate organization of of all of star wars and, and of course in legends that's when 
you had Talon Card take over. But if you really think about it, all those crazy things happened was because of a character arc. Han Solo was changing. He was going from the smuggler to being a, a rebellion guy to eventually becoming a husband to, to Leia. Um, so it's world building mixed with character growth. And I think that's always when Star Wars is at best. And that's and the reason why I like Cyril Karn is because he is that. He is a character that is growing, he's changing, and because of his decisions, there's galactic events that happen. Um, so his introduction in the show, because because he grew on me at first. Um, in episode one, like he kind of came out and he has like he has a sense of justice, you know, like tight, tight clothes and all that, which I was like, oh, that's a fun character trait. Um, and uh, I love how he tailored yeah, his clothes, tailored his clothes too, in the first you know? episode. He's like, oh, I, I was like, ah, that's, that's pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. And uh, and his reaction to to you know learning about that some of the men were killed. Um, what I really liked was was his, was first his opinion. Like like he has a bit of naivete and thinking that like I want to be the best officer I can be. I want to be the best detective I can be because I want to protect people. I want to I want to do my job well. Like he comes across as that. He's a guy that wants to do his job well. The problem is is that he's simply working on the wrong side. You know, like I I got the impression that if this guy worked for the rebellion from the beginning, he'd be at a he'd be a great rebellion guy, but he's not. That's just because of his circumstances, you know? Um, so instead, he's trying to be a good guy in a bad guy environment. Um, and that comes back to bite him. So, like, two guys get killed, and his first response is that, well, all police officers have to be good, right? You know? So them being murdered is, is, is terrible. We have to find this killer. And his superior is like, Oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. And the reason why is because we don't want the empire coming in and taking over. So we have to actually be a bit corrupt. We have to let evil, like, just be there, you know? And Cyril's like, no, I can't just let that slide. And so he decides to continue searching, you know, and he manages to get some of the, some other officers on his side, which I love that point. Cause you know, it makes sense. You wouldn't have one guy solitary in an entire planet that thinks this way. Um, and I also really like it when characters have weaknesses, because when you have a character that has a weakness and especially if that weakness, the writer takes advantage of as, as, as changing their character, it's so cool to see them overcome that, you know, like Luke Skywalker and losing father figures you know <laughs> like mm, loss yeah. loss 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 so that by, yeah. <laughs> so that by the time he gets to vader the guy who's the worst potential father figure luke's like i'm gonna redeem him and everybody else is like you can't do that you know like you can't that's not gonna work and he ends up saving the galaxy because of that choice you know yeah. um so so when cyril is like okay i'm gonna get all the officers together and he tries to make a speech he can't do speeches, you know, like he, like his heart's in the right place, his head's in the right place. But when he tries to like convince other people, his way of things, he, he just can't do it. And that's going to be in that. And in the moment I saw that scene, that's one of my favorite scenes in that, in, in that episode. Cause I was like, yes, give him a weakness. Don't make him great at everything because it's going to be so right. satisfying if he able, if he's able to overcome that. And I was also curious if they were going to really focus on the fact that he can't do speeches. Um, Cause episode three has my favorite still shot in the entire show. And that is Cyril's face when the attack completely fails. All the men that has followed him are dead 
And the look on his face is my sense of justice and wanting to do the right thing has gotten everybody killed. This entire planet is going to be taken over by the empire and it's all because of me. And I'm going to yeah. go straight back to Coruscant, back to the underbelly that I tried to get out of for my entire life. And because I was trying to be a good person, I've been screwed over. And you can see all of that on his face. And I was like, oh, that's how you do a good character. And <laughs> and yeah, so Cyril causes an entire planet to go under because he tried to be a good person. And so him, Which his scenes in this episode aren't my favorite of him. I do like the fact that we see that that that, that, that he's with his mom and, and the dialogue and that's okay. Um, he does have some really good still shots, but I'm really curious of where they're going with his character. In, in my opinion, he's he's the most entertaining yeah. to watch because I'm just like, what's good? What's he going to do next? Because he's the most loose cannon. He's the most for loose sure. cannon. I have no idea. Yeah, and he's got happen. real weaknesses, and I kind of want to see how he's going to cope with that. Um, so anyway, yeah. yeah. So that's my hot take. It's, I do, I do like him a lot. Um, I think, I think he's got a lot of potential to to be an, an incredible character one that i would buy a figure of you know i don't Ooh, i don't buy a lot, a lot of figures anymore but i right but there's a lot of characters in this and like rogue one that i have bought the little action figures for because i just i, I love them all and maybe that's a maybe that's a testament to to the gilroy's writing and the way that they're making this show because it has been wonderful all around um but yeah, thank you. That's we we waited all episode to hear your explanation about Cyril. So <laughs> that's great. Um, Justin, what about you? What is your Boba's bounty? What is your bounty for this? Oh, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to know who he is, but Lieutenant Gorn. Uh, he's the inside man on the Empire for the heist. So he's played by Sewell Remy. Yeah, and he does a wonderful job portraying him. He's got this hard exterior who's straight by the rules and no nonsense, just wants it done. But at the same time, you get a feel for him like, yo, there's something underneath there. Like, there's inferencing. Why is he helping the rebellion? Like, there's just so much I want to learn about him, but he's going to be a character that dies, well, tomorrow in the next episode. Maybe. Oh, maybe. We'll we'll see. I like I like him. He reminds me of like an Idris Elba kind of character. <laughs> um, and I was just watching The Office with Idris in it, where where Angela's like trying to hit on him, and he's like, "I understand my effect on women." <laughs> <laughs> and Lieutenant Gorn is a very handsome man, so I could see him having some effect on some Imperials. <laughs> but it, it's so. But no, it I, was cool to watch him. Uh, sort of play into his own role yeah here here i am the the hard ass and i'm gonna give the these underlings a little hard time make it really sell sell this uh scheme that the rebels are gonna be doing so i like when my uh, uppers come back they can say like oh my my subordinates convinced me for a b and c and they wanted to go see the f like that that was uh good planning that fell kind of right into his lap. Like, I loved his little smirk as he walks away from those dudes, too. They're like, can we please go to the fair, Dad? That would be great. And he just turns around and goes, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> I 
I loved that. Excellent pick. That's a that's not the that's not actually the pick that I would have assumed you would have had oh, really? for your bounty this week, Justin. Uh, what, but, what's uh, that? I, I I always loved. I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't Gordon though. <laughs> I, I love when you throw me a curveball. I figured it would have been someone from Andor's Eleven. One of those guys. Uh, I'm not trying to get my heart sank into any of them. They're all gonna die. See, I am, <laughs> and that's why my bounty this week is Nemec, um, because. He's just we, you know, I I kind of talked at length about him earlier about why I like him so much, and he's just he's me, you know. If I were to ever be in in his position, that'd be me, just building something to help, kind of, but not really wanting to get into the fight because like I'm kind of a pansy. <laughs> so, like, you know, I just wanna I just wanna play with my toys and like maybe give you guys some good technology every once in a while. Um, but I also love that he he's got such a big heart too. He's just a good dude. Um, his his heart's in the right place as far as why he's doing this. I feel like, um, and I'm sure that he's had. I don't think we got to hear his story about why he hates the Empire, did we? No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think we heard it like at length at least. Um, so I'm I'm very curious to see why he's actually joined this fight. If it's if it's a little more than just because he's from Aldani and wants to save the planet. I, I, I think he's got a little more at stake because, you know, for, for that kind of character, you know, a character that, that plays with toys and stuff, he's got to have a lot more motivation than just the Empire being there. So I'm very curious to see that. Um, but excellent picks, you guys, for, for Boba's bounty. Um, I, I always like that segment. I think the, the first one we did was b2 emo that was a great oh i loved it that was funny on you it's my favorite favorite droid (laughs) but let's move on to our third and final segment it is the tuscan raider it's the part of the show where we rate the episode out of 10 and this week we're gonna go out of 10 bowls of cereal so JT, what would you rate episode five of Andor out of ten bowls of cereal? Oh, this is one of those episodes. This is one of those episodes where I need to see the next one to be able to rate this one properly. You know, because like I feel like this is a buildup, and depending on how well they execute the payoff, is gonna change my opinion of how good this episode is. I think I'm land. I- I'm feeling like a seven, I think. Seven bowls. Um, it might okay. go higher, uh, depending on how well they do the execution of the next one. But I did like this episode quite a bit. Right. Justin, what about you? Uh, honestly, I I liked it, but I, I didn't wholeheartedly enjoy it. Like uh, I said earlier, like I, I watched it four times n- trying to notice these Easter eggs, and I just couldn't find it. Like, it didn't really have my attention, so to speak. Yeah, it's a, a build-up episode to the heist or the climax, and I understand you need these and uh, for a good uh, story arc, but didn't really do it for me. Like, I, I didn't feel emotionally connected to too many of the uh, characters to really be driven to see them go further with the story and or die but a solid six for me 
Six. Yeah. Wow. I'm a little rough. Is that the lowest you? Is that the lowest you've ever? I, it is. It is done. Wow. That's uh. That's funny because I'm actually rating it a six point five. Um. And I think out of the five episodes so far, for me personally, this is. I'm a big action guy. And I do love story building. I do love that kind of stuff. But there was like zero action yeah. in this episode. And yeah, it kind of takes it down a notch. I was teetering on the edge of six and seven. So I just decided to go into the middle for that one. Yeah. Um, it's an optimistic. While though. I do these. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's again, like I was right there with you. I just had to. Mm, if if there was an action scene, at least something, then I probably would have gone up to a seven, seven point five. But there just there wasn't there wasn't anything to to really get too ooh ah over, you know. But um, while I do this calculation of math, because I'm bad at math, six point five. Why don't you, JT? Why don't you uh, tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find you as far as, you know, maybe YouTube's and Twitters and all that stuff, and how they can uh, get in touch with your products? Sure. Or what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, it's actually called JT Crusader, where you can you can listen to my Heir to the Empire audiobook as well as uh, my other audio projects that I'm working on. Um, I also have a Twitter. I believe it's just Joshua underscore Tatum on that. Um, but you can find me. Uh, I, I could probably post a link. Or do you guys post uh, the links to in the description? Yeah, I think? I, I'll. I'll have your links in the in the description. Okay. For um for the YouTube channel and the the Twitter page, and if you have a Facebook or anything like that too, definitely. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. Cool. So, sorry. Did, what else? Oh, uh, is that it? I am also going to be Ghent in the animated series for Heir to the Empire fan made. So I'm look I'm looking forward to that once those episodes that have my character are there. Um. So yeah. Yeah, 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 and that's that's the one with uh, Darth Angelus mm -hmm. for sure. So Justin, again, you were here at the very beginning of the episode, but we were talking about uh, JT going into the he's going to be the voice of Ghent in um, the animated Heir to the Empire that Darth uh -huh. Angelus is doing. I sent you that right. I sent you that on on YouTube. I think it was it the it's like CGI. The, and it's like yeah yeah it's like the movie yeah yeah the... it's like episode 28 and then it's to be continued or something like that yeah, yeah. it's I, yeah, it's he's... awesome really oh he just he keeps on one-upping himself each episode i feel um yeah and i love his little descriptions too the like how how he makes the landscapes and the characters and stuff it's it's, super it's cool, pretty so. on point to the book like it does not veer off whatsoever yeah yeah um, but yes, Justin, I believe you were right. We're at a 65% for this episode altogether, um, which isn't, isn't bad. We, we at Quest Me have not dropped below a 60%, I think. I don't think we've ever gone below, unless it was Bad Batch. Oh, we did rate a couple episodes pretty low for Bad Batch, but, uh, that's okay. Um, I, 
I can't thank you enough, JT, for joining us today on this. It's been a lot of fun getting a a newcomer in and getting a fresh perspective on some of the properties that we love. So thank you so much again for coming on. Justin, are you still staying in the dark? You don't want anyone to find you? No, I'm J. Lou. You can find me on Facebook or what is it called? Uh, Twitter at Justin Lunsford. There you go. What? Ah, wow, I can't believe you did name. it. That's crazy. Um, yeah, go bother Justin a little bit. You know, give, give him some Star Wars crap. Trust me. He he needs some he needs some social media <laughs> crap. Um, but yeah, and obviously you can find us Quest Me at Quest Me TMA on Twitter. You can find all of our live videos for Quest Me, Sudden but Inevitable, Marvel Can of Madness, Best Flicks with Ricky D, and all the original Twist My Arm episodes. Uh, YouTube.com slash Twist My Arm podcast. Um, our website right now is under construction, but once that is back up, you are going to twistmyarm.net to find all of the news. Um, our store is on there. All of the information for all the other podcasts are on there as well. Um, thank everyone for your support. Thanks to the people that were in the live chat. I didn't see too many comments. Let's be honest, there weren't any comments because sometimes people are a little shy in our chat. But that's okay because sometimes we get a lot of chatter in our chat and I love that. So if anyone wants to join us on that and you're listening in podcast land, we are live on Tuesdays about 9, 9.30 Central Standard Time. And that's at youtube.com slash twistmyarm. Or if you follow us on Twitter at QuestMeTMA, it'll be there. If you follow us on Facebook by searching Twist My Arm Podcast, there'll be a live video there. If you go to Twitch, TMA Games, we're also on that. Um, so anywhere you can listen and or watch podcasts, we are there. You can find us. Um, again, thank you all so much for the support. For QuestMe, I have been your host. I'm Justin. I'm JT. And my name, of course, is Josh. We're going to talk to you next week. May the Force be with you.